Hello and welcome to this bonus episode of You've Got Mail. I thought I'd try something new because the questions that I got in were really interesting and really in depth, but I don't have time to answer them on the actual podcast because I just recorded a podcast for this week and it was over an hour long. And realistically, guys, I think I love you all enough to not put you through an hour and a half of my voice. I think that is uh, enough too much for anyone involved. It's it's just, it's not going to be a nice experience. You will get bored. You'll stop listening. The views will go down. That's not what we're about. I want the podcast to be something you can go for a walk on. And so I thought potentially about adding in a little extra episode, a little bonus episode, a little something to keep you entertained throughout the week. And it could be the question type episode. An episode where you guys send in your questions and I answer them the best that I think I can. I have not looked at these beforehand, so it's going to take, I'm just going to give instantly what I think my reaction to that would be. Take the advice with a pinch of salt, do with it what you will, make your own decision is basically what I'm trying to say. Don't hold me to it. These questions are, some of them are very personal, everything is anonymous, as always, I'm not going to out, you like that, don't you worry. But I think... It's interesting to hear someone else talk about other people's issues because sometimes you don't realise it's an issue that you had yourself. And so I'm really, really grateful for everyone who sent in a question. I think this is an exciting part of the podcast that is somewhere where it could go. It could go somewhere very, very interesting. And I, I don't know, I just, I feel like it's a good idea. I feel like questions and answers, I'm excited to see where it could go by it. So I hope you're all having a lovely week. Happy Thursday. Oh my God, it's Friday tomorrow. It's nearly the weekend. I should have probably recorded this yesterday and posted it today, but we move. I'm going to post it tonight. Oh well, it's fine. There is no real schedule to the podcast. You just get an episode every Sunday. It's a bonus episode. You'll enjoy it, I think. But anyway, I hope you're all having a lovely week and let's get into the questions. And so, okay, the first question I got answered, I got asked anyway, was how do you make friends in college? Right. Making friends in college is one of the most hardest experiences ever because you're not really young and everyone's not super sociable like when you're younger. Do you know what I mean? When you're younger, people are just able. It's so easy to go and interact with everyone. No one's formed cliques or anything like that. But in college, I'm guessing you're talking about sixth form because I'm not. I'm from the UK. We just have like primary school, secondary school and sixth form and uni. So I'm guessing we're talking about kind of like year 12, year 13 for the UK, which is 17, 18. So however old you are when you're 17, 18, whatever year you're in, I think a lot of us move to new colleges then because you have to start doing a new educational thing. And it's a time where you can really spread your wings. And I think that's what you should see it as. College is such a fun experience to work out where you are. If I could change one thing about my life, it would be I'd have forced myself to go to a different college for sixth form. I'd have forced myself out of my comfort zone. I didn't force myself out of my comfort zone. I stayed where I was because I was too scared to leave. And I wish I'd have pushed myself a bit further because I think college is such an exciting experience to like just experiment with who you are you're only 17 there's so many things you can do and you can try and there you can wear different outfits no one's going to hold you to it no one's going to say you are not the same person you were when you were 17 because well obviously you're not fucking the same person you were when you were 17 you're still a kid and so I think college can also be pretty intimidating in the whole friends thing because a lot of us haven't made friends for so long A lot of us have had the same friendship group since year seven, since we were 12. You've had those five years with each other. And now all of a sudden you're starting somewhere new. But you need to remember everyone's in the same boat. Everyone is in the same boat and everyone is trying to meet new people, even if they're not the most proactive about it. I found the best way that I've managed to meet friends and meet different people is... 
Well, first, you've got your different ways to go about it. You can join different clubs. And I think joining clubs and societies when you first start is a brilliant way to meet people. Push yourself out of your comfort zone. Try something new. If you don't like it, you can quit. But it's a definite way to meet people. It's like when you're at work or the people in your classes, they're some of the people you will get most friendly with because you're having the most interaction with them. It's that everyday interaction. It's proximity it makes it so much easier to get on with people because you have a bit more commonality and that's really easy to get through clubs and societies because it gives you something to talk about that's the same thing and so definitely to make friends in college I think joining clubs sports clubs journalism anything that interests you I don't know what type of clubs you guys have at your schools but I think that would be one of my biggest things for making friends in college I think that is such an important thing to push yourself out of your comfort zone and to try and meet people who are similar minded to you it's a lovely way that you can meet people who are kind of on the same wavelength who want to do the same things as you it's nice to have friends who have the same hobbies and I think that's an exciting way to do it alternatively we have the boulder method going up and talking to people going up and talking. I am quite a chatty person in a social situation, but because I'm a bit of an introvert, I tend to go very extroverted. Makes no sense what I, it makes no sense. Beforehand I'm really nervous, but when I get in a social situation, I'm way more chatty and I don't mind like starting conversation with people and that type of thing. I think the biggest thing for like the most ad- biggest piece of advice I could give you on how to make friends with people is to ask them questions about themselves ask people love to talk about themselves people love it and I think this is why I don't find conversations hard with people is because I love listening to what people have to say I find it so interesting to find out about different people genuinely when I was a kid I used to sit at the kitchen dinner table where my mum had all of her friends around and just sit and listen I was not a normal child um but yeah we'd just ask people about themselves oh, what courses are you doing? Oh, why do you want to do that? Oh, what did you do this weekend? What, like, do you know what I mean? Ask them, what are your plans for summer? Ask people about themselves and let them talk to you about themselves. And then ask them questions built on that. Ask them, oh, you went there for summer. Oh, that was really nice. Like, what did you do there? Did you meet any cool people? Like, was there anything really funny that happened? Try and find conversation to carry what they just said on again, because it'll show that you were really listening to what they said. And people value that. People value how you respond to them when you talk to them. And I think that'll be my biggest piece of advice for making friends. Put yourself in the position to make friends. Put yourself in that place where you can meet people, societies, clubs, classes, that type of thing. But also when you are chatting to people for the first time, ask them about themselves. As soon as you feel an awkward silence about to come, just have your question ready about what you're going to say. Because if you're just talking about yourself the entire time, ironic from the person with the podcast, it can come sometimes be a bit like, oh, I don't really want to listen to this person. It's boring because they're just talking. They don't know you yet. You don't know them yet. It's just like if someone was just telling you about their life the entire time with unprompted, you'd get bored. We all would. And so have some questions up that you see that you can ask in these positions or situations or anything. Just have your next question ready. And when you feel that awkward silence about to arrive, just ask them another question. Ask them another question. Try to make it not sound too much like an interview. But yeah, that would be my biggest tips of advice for that part. Okay, next question. How to interact with your ex for the first time who is terrible to you? First question. um, Why are we interacting with them? Why are we interacting with them? Is this essential? Because if they were horrible to you, this is why we have boundaries, girls and boys. This is why we have boundaries. This is why we don't let everyone into our life. If someone fucks you over, you do not need to have them in your life. You do not need to have them in your life. They are not something that has to be there. 
It's a choice that they are in your life. If you want them in your life, let them in your life. But if they've been horrible to you, why do you want them there? Surely you're better off on your own. We're all better off on our own than surrounded by people who are little shits, okay? Why do you need them in your life? That's the first thing I want to ask you. And if for some reason you do still need them in your life, because sometimes we can't always ignore our exes, we can't always, like sometimes there's family situations, relationship situations, I don't know, there's a lot more things that can be going on with it. I think... I think if they're being really horrible to you and you still have that anxiety pent up or that anger at them, you need to draw a boundary. If you have to interact with them, I don't know, maybe you're a co-parent or something like that. I this see, If it's with co-parenting, I am not a parent, I'm 21, so I feel like I can't really give you advice on that. But if it's more of a friendship group, I'm going to pretend it's a friendship group because that's something more I can give advice on. I think if you're in the same friendship group and they're in there, you just have to be pleasant. You don't have to be nice. You don't owe anyone your niceness. And being honest, if he was really horrible to you, like, do you really want to be in the same friendship group as him? Why are your friends still friends with him if he was really horrible to you? Do you know what I mean? I know it's not always that easy, but really question, why do you need him in your life? Why do you need him in your life? And I think, okay, I need to stop ranting about, like, do you actually need him in your life? Because no, you do not. But the first time you meet him up, it's going to break your heart. Because, like, I've never done it, lol. (laughs) I never did the meetup part. I've never done it. We literally broke up and I never saw him again. Wouldn't recommend that. Well, I mean, actually, would I recommend that? In a weird way, yes and no. You can really cut a strong boundary. Do you need to see them in your life again? If they're a dick to you, no. And I kind of stuck by that philosophy. But sometimes we do. We have to return stuff. I think it's that boundary. It's that realising of if you're seeing them again because you need to return their clothes and things like that. Don't get drawn in. We're not chatting to them about the situation. You guys are broken up. The dust needs to settle. You cannot rehash over everything. And if they try and apologise, it's too soon. You're not healed yet. And you're not ready to hear that apology. And the entire time you'll just be angry and you will cause an argument. So I think the way to interact with them is just to be very calm about the situation. To have very strong boundaries. Meet up in a public place where neither of you have the upper hand. And meet up for a reason. And as soon as that reason is over, you are leaving. You're going to have to be very strict with yourself about this because you don't want to stumble into a situation that's going to make you more uncomfortable, more emotionally unstable, just as the dust is settling. You need to prioritise yourself right now. So that's my biggest piece of advice for that. Okay, let's move on to the next question. How to deal with confusing men. You can't block them out of your life because you like them, but I'm guessing you don't really want them in your life anymore. Okay, I think if you can't block them out of your life, you need to take your love away from the situation. If they're confusing you, giving you this quote from Florence Gibbon is one of my absolute favourite quotes from her. And it's like, you're settling for crumbs of attention when you deserve the whole fucking cake. If they're confusing you, they're not giving you the whole fucking cake. They're giving you crumbs of attention. They're leading you on. It's not, it's not a relationship. It's not anything. They're just using you to keep you as an option. And you can't block them out of your life. They're always going to be there. So you need to take that power away from them. Stop letting those crumbs of affection have an impact on you. Start realising you're better of your own. If they invite you out for dinner with everyone, say no. You don't need to be with them. And as soon as you start showing them that you don't need them around, they'll start losing their impact on you. And they might still try and get in touch with you. They'll still try and mess around with your head because they're silly and they want you in their life because they like having you. They like thinking that you're always going to be there but you're not you're your own person and you deserve to act like it so start acting like it start actually questioning if you want to meet them 
Start questioning where they are in your life. Start questioning the attention you give to that confusing man. If they're being confusing, then stop. don't give them any more of your attention. Stop wasting your life on them. You don't deserve to be messed around. You deserve so much more than that. You deserve someone to love you in all of your entirety and just make you feel so great about yourself. And I don't want any of you to just be settling for little scraps of attention, just clinging on for dear life as if you're not the great person that you are. So I think dealing with confusing men in your life, or women, or women, that was just the question, but obviously this is applicable for either or. If they're confusing you, they don't deserve you, because you deserve a lot more than that. And you have to have enough self-worth to hold your head high and walk away from the situation and stop letting them have an impact on you. When I was going through a really, really shitty part of my breakup, I realised that I had the impact. I got to choose who had control over me. I got to choose who is in my life. And if I didn't want to worry about something anymore, if I didn't want you in my life, I could just cut you out like that and that was it and you were gone. As I've grown from this, it's not the best philosophy always to have. It's quite cutthroat and I can see where there are room for issues in this. But what I did take away from it is you do get to choose who's in your life. You get to decide who has an impact on you. And so if they're confusing you, stop letting them have an impact on you. Stop messaging them. Stop going at their every call. Stop letting them have that power over you because you're in charge of you. So start acting like it. Okay, the final question that I'm going to answer today, well, I say final question, it might not be the final question. I think I have two more that I want to answer. One of the questions was, let me read it to you. Um, Any tips when you feel lost, things and activities that can help ground you when you feel sad and overwhelmed? Thanks. Okay, sad and overwhelmed has been the topic of the coming podcast episode. The one on Sunday is so vulnerable and I kind of forgot how many people were here now and I'm kind of scared to post it I can't even lie but no I'm gonna post it because I feel like we're all friends like best friends and uh, this is a no judgment zone I think it's an important podcast episode because this week has been tough and I felt really sad and very anxious but we move and the things that have helped me feel grounded this week I think when you feel lost it can feel like you're floating It can feel very detached from your environment around you. And so if you can try and do things that make you feel more present, make you feel more about where you are, make you feel more in that moment, you can remove that detachment. And you don't need to feel present, I mean, like long-term life. I'm just saying if you could feel present in that exact moment, if you can start being very present in what you're currently doing, if you can make things. I find exercise to be a really good thing when I'm feeling lost and need grounding. Because in that moment, you're only thinking about your body, which is moving, and that is you. You are your body, and that is you. And when you're moving, when you're walking, when you're seeing things around you, you're realising, even just going for a walk, it doesn't have to be some intensive type of exercise. It can be something that you just enjoy, something that gets you out of your head. I think being on social media can be a really dangerous thing to do, so definitely stay well aware. What was that? I'm sorry, I'm on two episodes of... Con- two episodes... I'm not even talking correctly. I think... When you're doing some form of exercise, it just makes you feel more grounded. That movement of your body can really bring you more present with what you're doing. I also really love, so I think writing my goals out, as I said, for the morning routine podcast episode on Sunday, that's been really helpful in reminding me like who I am and where I want to go. And that's been very grounding. I didn't think that would be a grounding experience, but it has been. And that was an interesting kind of side part of writing the goals out that I didn't think would happen. So write down that. Get clear on what you want to happen in your life. Get clear on what you want to go. And it doesn't have to be massive things. It could literally be like, I want to take myself for a walk every single day. 
I want to visit an art gallery every month. I want to watch it. Do you know what I mean? It can be very little, small little joys. It can just make you feel really good about yourself. I want to feel confident going for a coffee on my own. And I think these things can make you feel grounded because they remind you where you're going. They remind you that you're on a journey and I think that's important. Other things that I do when I am feeling kind of like lost and ungrounded and kind of just a bit everywhere, I journal. I write down about what's going on in my head. I get it all out on the page. Let it all out, write everything... And then I just kind of be like, just like, let it go. And one form of meditation that has been really good is this form. It's like mantra meditation. I don't know if you guys have ever done it before, but it's fucking brilliant. The Morning Ritual does a really good one. She does my favorite one. And it's just a five minute meditation. And it's literally just breathing exercises. And when you breathe in, you breathe in. And on the breathing in, you kind of chant something. So the one that I always do is like, let, and on the breathe in, and then go. Like, let go and then I also do like here now and this this sounds cringe and I'm sorry but this is what I do so in that mantra meditation I'll say like let go here now and I will just like do a deep breath in let go here oh wait I breathed in <laughs> here now I could never be a meditation person I definitely would get the breathing all wrong I don't say them out loud I say them in my head because breathing and speaking is very tricky but I find that to be a really calming thing to do as well and then I also try and do something that sparks awe in me because that makes me realize I'm part of some bigger picture that it's not just me here that I'm part of this world which is pretty incredible and even though I feel lost and a bit not great at the moment and even though everything's not going perfectly look at this world around you look at that sunset it's pretty fucking magnificent it's pretty incredible and I'm very grateful and lucky to be able to see it and I think those moments of awe where you are experiencing what you're experiencing they remind you why you're here they remind you that this is not all about you that there is other things going on and I think that's why it's important it makes you feel small in the best way possible in a small in a way of not insignificant, but in a small of you're part of something incredible. And I think that's really important. So that's what I do. And the final question I'm going to answer today is, how do you deal with your mental health while drinking alcohol and being hungover? Oh, alcohol is so shit when you're hungover because alcohol is so shit when you're hungover. I mean, alcohol is so bad for your anxiety. Alcohol, when I drink, and I do drink because I think it's fun and I, I don't know, I just find it funny. I quite enjoy it, it's fun, like I'm 21, it's what a lot of us do, but I know it's really bad for you, your anxiety because I know the next day being hungover is one of the worst experiences. I get so anxious, the anxiety is fucking real. But what I've started to change, I think my thing around drinking, this deserves a whole podcast episode on its own, how I've kind of, my evolution of the drinking experience. Drinking in the UK is wild, Compared to America and, like, other places that drink, it's so different. The binge drinking culture in the UK is mental. And we all talk about it, like, we know this is bad, but we do it anyway. But, like, we know this is bad. We know it's bad. We know it's not normal. It's, like, all of the jokes made about how bad Americans are at drinking compared to the British. There's just so many memes about it and everything. It's like, is this something we should be proud of? I don't know, but... 
It's even when you hear me talking about it. I even said on the podcast I just recorded, I literally had three drinks. It was pretty unimpressive. Because in the UK, the ability to drink a lot used to be like, it's really impressive at uni. If you can like do like 10 pints and a bottle of vodka and all of this, it's like, fucking hell, you're a good drinker. Proud of you. Well done. Well done. When in reality, it's like, that shouldn't really be a compliment. But anyway, we're getting distracted. That was not the question. I think... When I'm hungover and I am feeling anxious, I need to be so proactive in the things that I do on the hungover days. I am trying to stop drinking to a point where I literally don't remember anything and I black out. Probably a good move. Probably shouldn't be doing that anyway. It never happens on purpose, but sometimes you just get those really messy nights where you drink way too much and you instantly regret it in the morning. It's normally to do with badly timed meals drinking something that's way stronger than you experience like meant it to be and all of this so it happens we all get caught out sometimes and I've been more aware of that so making sure I eat a good meal before I go out kind of watching what I drink when I go out watching when I have the drinks kind of sometimes as boring as it is I'll be like you know what just don't drink past 12 don't drink past 12 and you'll feel better tomorrow and you'll still have a really good night so that's been helpful Sometimes that's not possible and sometimes we don't want to limit our night and that's also pretty great too. You want to have a great time with your friends and I think the way I deal with it the next day is, oh, first off, apparently having an antihistamine before you go to sleep helps with a hangover. I don't know. I heard it from someone. I tried it. I did feel less hungover. It's tricky because it could have been a placebo effect, but you know what? I'll take it. So that is one way to help. Other things that I do that are probably more mindful on what you're asking for, I drink, I wake up and I have a shower first thing. I have a shower first thing and I put on a nice outfit or some nice clothes and I make myself feel good. If I just loll around all morning, I just end up feeling really like, and that's not a good way to be. Then I would love to tell you that I take myself out for a walk. And that is what we all should do. I did not do that on Saturday. I literally laid in bed on my phone. I shouldn't have done that. And I did regret doing that. And I think one of the best things you can do is when you are on a hangover, literally get yourself out of the house and go for a walk. Even if it is just to mini Sainsbury's, as my walk always is when I'm hungover, get yourself a Lucasade. Get yourself a Lucasade and a chocolate bar because you need sugar. You need sugar to get you through the hangover. And I swear to God, that'll perk you up like nobody's business. That makes me feel so much better I think it's the glucose and the Lucozade. I never used to drink them until my boyfriend showed me as a hangover cure and it, it works. Some people drink red coke, whatever. You need something with sugar in it. Go and get yourself a drink. Listen to something relaxing like a nice podcast or something and remember what a great night you had before and don't let the anxiety thoughts take over. Remember what fun it was. I was like chatting about it the next day when I was like hungover on the Saturday and I was like, all these things happened. And I was like, actually, no, it was a great night. I'm literally focusing on a 10 minute conversation or two minute conversation or, and I always do that. I'll focus on something that I thought was a massive drama and it really wasn't. So I think if you are feeling hungover and stuff, remember that your mind is going to play tricks on you. You just need to put it in the best possible position. So wake up, go for a shower, get dressed and go for a walk and get yourself something nice to eat. Then come back home and give yourself, allow yourself to watch a film in bed. I think one of the best things is when you have like a small enough hangover that you just get to relax. And if that means relaxing outside and reading your book and just enjoying your time and actually zoning out for a bit and that's okay you are allowed to do that I think so often I see these things like use your weekends to build the life that you want and everything like that and I fully agree with that that's definitely important but also use it to rest rest is just as important as building and if anything use it to the advantage that you do feel a bit hungover 
Sometimes I try and push myself too far, which means the day after I feel shit because I feel guilty that I went out the night before and so I intensely clean the house and things like that. And although that is using your hangover to your advantage, and I would definitely recommend doing a job you don't want to do whilst you've like in that kind of morning zombie kind of period, that does help. But allow yourself to watch a film in the evening or go outside and read your book. Just allow yourself that space to be hungover. You had a good night, you're allowed to go out, you're young and it's exciting. And even if you're old, it's still exciting. You're with your friends, you had a good time and try and remember that. So get out, get some fresh air, get yourself a snack from the shops, getting out and doing that bit of social interaction is really, really positive. Don't have a coffee. I would try and stay away from caffeine. I've never worked out on hangover. Some people are mental and are managing it. I don't manage it. it makes me think I'm going to throw up. So yeah, that does not work for me. But you just look after yourself and allow yourself that space to be hungover. There's nothing wrong with it. You had a good night before. And I think being very conscious of the fact that your mind's going to play tricks on you. It's kind of how I deal with it, really. Just being kind of... It's a constant mind battle the next day, reminding yourself it's not as bad as you think. Because I promise it wouldn't be. But anyway, this rounds off the little extra part of these extra episodes I'm going to try and do every other week or every week. I just recorded Sunday's episode and I'm really excited about it. I think you're all going to like it. So make sure you're subscribed so that you can hear the updates from that. And make sure you're following me on TikTok and on Instagram at you've got mail underscore pod. And if you have any questions that you want answering, if you have anything you want to go into the podcast, then please follow me on Instagram so you can see the little question box so that I can include them because I've enjoyed this episode and I like the interaction and I think it's something fun that we could do. I hope you'll have a lovely, lovely week and I'll speak to you soon. Bye. Love you. Bye. Also, PS, if I didn't answer your question, it's because I'm saving it for next week. I want to answer like, I want these episodes to be kind of short and sweet, but if I didn't get to your question, it will just be one of the first ones I answer next week. So they're all saved on my phone. Don't you worry. I hope you're having a lovely week and yeah. Bye. Love you. Bye.